Wait a minute, Adam. You haven't seen Flash Gordon. You really haven't seen Cool World. What about Dune? Let's remedy that. Welcome to Raised by Spoilers, everyone, where we watch and unpack cult movies, some of them good and all of them bad. Tonight we're unpacking Dune 1984, but first I'm joined with Plebeian Adam. Nathan is joining us. Hello. And I'm Geek Movie House, Rich. Are you sure you're not like Geek Worm Movie House? I am the Quizart Satirac, and this (laughs) is my final form! (laughs) Um, May his passing be swift. Based on Frank Herbert's first novel in the classic book series and directed by David Lynch, Dune is the epic story of Paul Atreides' journey from the simple boy to a leader of a desperate resistance. Dune takes place on the desert planet planet of Arrakis, the only known source of the most important substance in the galaxy, melange or spice. Paul battles the corrupt Emperor Shaddam and the evil forces of House Harkonnen over control of the spice. Along the way, Paul discovers that he may have a much grander destiny. Yeah, that's a really, really compacted synopsis. There's a lot here. There's a lot, a lot, a lot. You're missing a lot of knives and a lot of worms. And a lot of rotoscoped eyes. A lot of rotoscoped eyes. Um, Show of hands, who read the book? That is a great visual bit we just did. Thank you very much. So Nathan and I, (laughs) Nathan and I have seen, uh, have read Dune. Adam, is this your first viewing? No, not really. Okay. Um, I have attempted to view... Was this the director's cut by any chance? There is no director's cut. You're right, you're right. But I heard that there's like a longer cut and a shorter cut. Okay, so there are three versions of Dune. Okay. There is a TV version. Okay. And then there is the, I think, theatrical. And then there's the super duper special edition, which is like a $90 box set kind of thing. $100 box set. And it's pretty much the same movie. I heard there was a super long version, or was an even longer version or something like that. So I've tried to watch it. I, okay. I have the movie, um, and I have tried to watch it probably three times in my life. Okay. I don't think I ever made it past the half an hour. Now that I realize how long the movie right. feels, I don't think I ever made it past the half an hour mark. And so, as a Dune fan, I get it. I will say, <laughs> I fell asleep the first three times I tried to watch this movie. Yes. And that has nothing to do with substances or anything like that. It's just a very slow, different kind of sci-fi movie. Now, if you talk about a director's cut, I'm sure if you scour, say, YouTube or just the internet in general, you'll find little clips that were exempt from the film. Because I remember seeing a lot of uh, clips or just segments of the of the film that weren't in the movie that we just saw. Well, I think that frames this pretty well because I... I, I did watch some, you know, I had seen stuff about Dune. That's, right. This is raised you know, by spoilers. Okay, so you, I know what's going on. There's sand. There's it gets worms. Everywhere, and we hate it. And, of course. Right. Yeah. But Not I understand men, that but David the women and children Lynch too. wanted this to be two movies. He wanted to make, the people working on it thought it was three. Oh, three movies. They thought they were going to get three. Lynch wanted to do two. Okay, so that's what it was, and I understand that. And they got one. Yeah, halfway through filming or something, they promised him two or something right. like that. And about some way through filming, they just went. You remember that promise we made to you? 
yeah, no. <laughs> You're completely over budget. And that and makes sense because there's, uh, I think it was about the 45 minute mark of the film. We got to a point and they're just like, and fast forward. We're just going to skip yeah. everything. Because you have to cut everything out, unfortunately. Because there's oh, a you, big story here. Now, granted, I want You wanted... know all that minutia and that fun stuff? Yeah, that's gone. So before we really start unpacking it and deep diving, what did you think? Like, just right off the top. You, okay, every it's hard one of the, it's weird that it's one of those things where it came after star wars the movie came yep. out after star wars it came yep. out after flash gordon it yep. came out after all of these sci-fi movies yeah but i can't tell if i feel it's this is feels like an ouroboros where i can tell that this series the book inspired all of those other things right and yes. yet the art style and the the filming style from those influenced this one right so it's like this ouroboros of feeding each other all the way through it's a worm eating its own tail the yeah book inspired the out movie, of its mind on spice <laughs> it's just fucking stoned out of its mind on spice so i liked it mm-hmm. um it definitely felt like that 80s a new hope i can see why a new hope was so different than all the rest it felt more like flash gordon than it did like new hope but it's mm. somewhere in between so david lynch had just done the elephant man yeah okay and Eraserhead was another film that he worked on. Lynch is a cult director. He's done tons of stuff like All Twin Peaks. All black and white. Twin Peaks, uh, Blue Velvet. Uh, there, there's twin, the new version of Twin Peaks. There's tons of stuff. Um, his whole category, catalog is just wild. He was being eyed because of how great Eraserhead and Elephant Man were to do Return of the Jedi. No. He was going to do Return of the Jedi. But oh, he fucking hated Star Wars. And that's why a lot of the shots in this movie, you mentioned when we were watching it, you're like, oh, that looks a little rough. That looks a little bit more like Space Odyssey. Why the fuck does that look like Space Odyssey? We're so far into ILM and LucasArts and all of this other stuff. It's because he wanted it to not be. It's the anti. It's the thinking man Star Wars. This is you. Oh, you have to read the book to get it. And I understand that he didn't want all these like space flying sequences and showing things in space. He really didn't want to add to the movie, mm-hmm. but he was basically told to because those were the in thing at the time. And like you said, everyone wanted their Star Wars. So I understand like the producers forced him to put scenes, similar scenes in there. Right, right. Because he, he honestly felt in interviews and stuff afterwards, he felt like he sold out. Yes. He completely sold. He felt personally like he sold out. And he kind of hates this movie because it was such a nightmare to make. Which, honestly, there's so many good things about this movie. It is truly impressive. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. It's very influential. It's a little weird. Uh, it's dry. It's sandy. Yeah. Uh, but there's a, there's a lot. So you enjoyed it. I would say I did. But here's here's one caveat I'll put. So we talked about um all the keywords and you have to know all these they they say these keywords but they don't ever explain them there's a whole lexicon that you need to know going into this and you just kind of go with it so i'm yeah. incredibly happy you brought that up okay because when they were first filming it and test filming it they had to hand out pamphlets to people in the audience I did hear about that and they had to read these pamphlets and it was pretty much an, a very small encyclopedia of every single term that would be said because no one knew what the fuck they were talking about yeah and no one could understand it's uh, a really kind of pedal to the metal, balls to the wall approach to science fiction where it's like, hey, you haven't read the the literature? You haven't read the source material? Well, you better catch up. Yeah, I feel like we have, we're have we in this world where every movie you make that's based on a book, a video game or whatnot is right now is designed to fit to um, 
everyone. Yeah. If you if you don't know who Thor is, here's a movie. You don't need to know who Thor is in the comics mm-hmm. to figure this out. You want to watch a World of Warcraft movie? That is exactly that is the perfect analogy. The Warcraft Warcraft, yeah, Warcraft movie isn't a great Warcraft movie for Warcraft fans. It's trying to get people into become exactly. Warcraft. Fans. Whereas this one went the other direction and said, "Oh, you're new to Dune? Go fuck yourself." Wheel of Times like that too. The show, the new show, I found. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think if you're going in and you don't know anything about Wheel of Time, you're gonna have, I don't want to say a hard time catching up, but there's some. There's a lexicon you need to learn. So there's a whole bit, because I've never read Wheel of Time, and we watched all of it, and we got all the way to the end of this first season and went, I still don't know what the fuck is going on, and I don't know what (laughs) they're talking about and everything like that, and I had to ask you a ton of questions. Yeah, we could do a whole Q&A about this, like we can go on for hours, but we're talking about Dune. Dune. I, 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 and that's the feeling I got when I watched this, was because I had watched the new movie, Mm -hmm. I had watched the, the newer movie. There and because I have friends like you guys who tell me about Dune all the time, I kind of understand what's going on. I get it, um, and you kind of gave me that lexicon before we started, Nathan. And so because of that, it didn't bother me. There were times where I was like, "Wait, what did they say?" Oh, it's the thing that Nathan mentioned earlier. Bene Gesserit is a space witch, and uh, the Chome Company is just the the big company everybody works for. Apparently, yeah. the Spacing Guild is their truckers. Yeah, and I could totally see a world where if you didn't have that, you would be fucking lost this whole movie. Well, there was halfway through the film, for instance, you were saying, wait a minute, does he have the voice? Well, who has the yes. voice? Because yes. the, the way the inner monologuing is happening. Oh, God. That yeah. Right? They the have, inner monologue. They have a lot of weird asides in this film. Right. I'm guessing that came from the books because yes. I'm guessing in the books they had a lot of those. They do. Uh, there was that weird scene where he puts his hand in a box and like that is just chocked full of nuance and dialogue. I'm sorry, are you talking about the tree scorpions? (laughs) Oh, God. Callback joke. Everything is looped to tree scorpions. You got to get that sweet, sweet venom in your vein. Put your hand in the box, (sighs) grab a tree scorpion, give it a stroke. What do they call that? Well, the Uh, Gonjabar? The Gomjabar. Gomjabar. The high-handed enemy. Yeah, the only reason I know that one is because I I really much enjoyed the newer version of that. It's a needle with a drop of poison on its tip. Did, Did they say that in this? Uh, no, they skipped a lot of that. Okay. They're just like, here's a needle, it's got poison, and go fuck yourself. No, they say Ganjabar. They say Ganjabar. They mention it by name, they say the poison of They it give you him. the bare bones. Yeah. Like, they don't have that banter back and forth where, um, I know in the book and in different versions of the uh, film, Paul is supposed to be this arrogant guy. It's like, if you hurt me, I will call my guard and how dare you? And she's like, your mom's at the door and she's going to stop them and you're mine for like the next interesting because they show that yeah. off in the newer version way better way they enough. showed off his douchiness yeah yes in the in the new movie way better than in this like, older movie i'm right. a prince how dare you yeah it's it's it's. i wouldn't say um, i mean douchiness hits it paul isn't really necessarily a chad as much as paul is very well off and has never hurt for anything entitled and he's entitled. never very suffered. very entitled and like my father and you get a lot of those kind of arguments yeah. and vibes he's he's a He's a guy who's never suffered, but he's really good at karate. Well, I mean, he's getting trained and yeah. well-read, and you're seeing his access to information and stuff like that. But anyway, so you enjoyed June. June? June. June. Yeah, your text to me? June. Yes, I, I did enjoy it. I, I did. Yeah. Wonderful. That's great. It is a slow ride. I will say Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone is technically a longer movie. And yeah, there is so much that happens in this one film that we stopped for a brief break to stretch our legs and all take a, a piss 
and it was like holy fuck we're only halfway through well, and so much has happened we had to like mop up so, all of our thoughts real quick so much has happened yeah you got to just literally before you fold space and time and do another line of uh melange uncut <laughs> unfiltered pure melange spice you have to kind of just pull everything back in and go okay breath because this is a very game of thrones yes. the movie but it's only a movie it's not like we're gonna give you a ton of buildup. You're going to walk away, come back, unpack yeah. everything, see what happens next week because it just is so boom, boom, it's boom, so boom, dense. boom. It's dense and the, the events happen so quickly. I feel like it's both slow and dense at the same time. So yeah. the first half I feel is it almost like feels like nothing much is happening, but they're they're setting the stage. So the nothing is happening, but they're filling your head with data. Yeah. Oh, I, I found the opposite. I found the, the first half was just very dense with all the stuff happening. And then the second half was... And then four years later, and then two years after that, and then three years after that. Oh, see, and I, I felt like the first the first half was exposition, exp- aside from the whole five-year opening, the I, I totally get it. I, I want to make fun of it. And they do have a lot of exposition. There's like, a, and here are the planets. I think Space. my favorite part is, first of all, they have the exposition from the princess, mm-hmm. and that's slow. I think she was a bad choice to read that because she was just bland. Yeah. And then... She kept fading in and out. Yep. I suspect that was for editing because they were cutting up her voice clips. Yep. So they would fade her out when they, when, you know, when she had to start a new sentence. And then the best part was exposition, 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 fade to black, dune screen, and then exposition by a robot. It's weird because like, uh, I'm not try- a robot because tra- AI is real illegal. I'm trying to think of another way to do it. And I only like, it's her reading it in a, in a on a, like a, not a green screen soundstage but it's her reading it or would you have rather read all of that exposition in yellow font slowly scrolling, scrolling, scrolling the screen, yeah no right <laughs> now because like when dune came out and like you got that blast of sand and then those letters almost crashed through the screen yeah I, the first time i seen them, i was like fuck was this in like 3d like what were they trying to do here because it just keeps coming and coming and coming and you're like it really just there's a a momentum yeah of like here we ex- and no exposition 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 well, exposition there's there's it's a not, reason it's for not that. that it's it's an ex- Ooh! and then on the eighth day they drank tea and it's like whoa this slowed right the fuck down yeah no there's a reason why they had the princess erlon uh, narrate at the beginning it's because in the book coin in the jar um they have every chapter prefixed with a quote from like it, it's the story is told from the retelling of princess Irulan. she wrote a book and this is her telling her story oh. through of what happened and she's just you know in a loveless okay, marriage and that blah, blah 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 makes sense in the book but it doesn't fucking it make sense doesn't come right. across and doesn't she doesn't right. make sense because she plays no role in this movie you don't see you see her in two scenes that's it in the book her role is to be tragic and in the movie she's just present so yeah. the interesting thing is, is i don't want to get to ask nathan next what his thoughts on the film are because whether he liked it or not because i know this isn't your first viewing uh oh i lynch it. did the screenplay but also boasts that he has never read dune which doesn't make sense yeah. because he wrote the screenplay so you would have to have read the book in order to do the screenplay so, right not exactly he may have had like stage hands or assistants read the book and give him cliff notes and he'll just go from there. Right. Also, this movie was 
passed round hand by hand to a bunch of different directors and it already had all of the artists the team that worked on this movie yep. already worked on started working on it right when it was some older director with like hr geiger involved Javanowski. sorry andrew or alexander janoski yes. Javanowski's. yeah 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 dude That's the name. never made yeah the never yeah, made yeah, the yeah. never made one go watch that documentary it's fucking wonderful it's wonderful now you that have, i've seen this movie looks looks you have to go see it now it's bananas and it's beautiful it is just you watch it on the biggest tv you can it's just it's a ride it is a trip and it is hemorrhaging money and you immediately understand why it didn't get made um keep going i'm yeah, no yes, that's yes, fine. Yes, yes, yeah uh i think it's so interesting that they i think they had all the screenplay they had all of it written i think he just slightly edited it i say slightly but i'm sure it was heavily but he just took a screenplay that was pre-existing and rewrote it and said this is mine which happens a lot in movies. Well, so I think that's more what happened. So, Sorry, who was the the director for Starship Troopers? I don't, I don't, don't know. Off the top I of my head. don't remember his name, but he did something very similar, where he directed Starship Troopers, but he didn't actually read the book. He read maybe the first half of a chapter, got real bored with it, and had somebody else read it for him, and then uh, give him the the cliff notes and i feel that may have been the case here as well it's very possible so let me just interject quick before i ask nathan the very simple question of what he thought of the movie uh arthur jacobs the gentleman who produced all of the planet of the apes films the new ones the old ones oh the old ones. the old ones the old planet of the apes back in 72 uh he acquired the rights to dune and then he died right before he could make it uh jovanovsky was 74 and he wanted to make an, a 10 to 12 hour movie and none of the studios would have had them. A single movie. 10 to 12 hour film. Uh, uh, he later went on to do The In Call, which is a comic book that he did with all of his artwork and doing storyboards and stuff like that. Huh. Uh, Taika Waititi is going to make the movie for In Call. No. Yep. Uh, Ridley Scott was going to make Dune in 78, right after he did the first Alien film. Yes, that's and what he, I'm aware of. He remade, uh, he took and reused a lot of Giger's artwork from uh, Dune, from Jovanovsky, which then turned into Alien. Yes. And then uh, Jovanovsky's ideas and H.R. Giger's designs for the Harkonnen, wow, Jesus, Harkonnen, Harkonnen uh, show up in the new Danny Benu's film. All of those are still originally Giger designs. Well, yeah. I Which is really kind of a cool to see it. But. I understand that the new De Delanue, De Delanue, De Delanue, 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 um, his version was strongly artistically inspired by uh, this one. Yeah, he he openly admitted he's like that. He saw that movie, loved it, wanted to do it. It's his too. Own style. It's too short. Yeah, it's too short. And we all know it. Even David Lynch knew it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Nathan, thoughts on Dune? What'd you think? I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I wish they went into more detail. I wish I think it could have been at least another two hours long, especially in the second half of the movie. But I understand when you're trying to uh, cram a what the audio book is 45 hours long. So when you're trying to cram that into a two hour movie, you got to cut some stuff. I yeah. get it. I hate it, but I get it. Yeah. Like they got to cut an entire relationship. Yeah. Uh, there's also, oh, there's so much they cut. Like, Paul, I love you now because we saw each other. Yeah. Uh, Paul and I've been the, dreaming Paul of you. and Chani are supposed to actually have a kid who is murdered by Beast Raban. Like they're out on a raid. They come back and there's just like pieces of a child left. Jesus. Yeah. 
Dune is really cut bad, like cutthroat. It's there awesome. is some meat that they missed in that second no, half. No, I, I want to. Uh, there's a lot of stuff I want to talk about, but goddamn, uh, it's your turn. Um, you got the mic. Beast Raban, uh, the other, the big red-headed gentleman. Um, he's called Beast Raban in one of the books because he is he the one that he's, Dave Batista plays. Yes, in the he's one? the yes. one that okay. Dave Batista um, portraying. The big cousin. I yeah. want to talk about actually Baron Harkonnen's. Uh, what's it called? Um, Who's that philosopher that he's very cutthroat? Dark deeds must be done at night. Oh, um, um, the prince. Um, fuck, not Merovingian. <laughs> the Frenchman. I have his book. The Frenchman, no, not Malthusian. Um, my God, he wrote the book called The Prince. Machiavelli. Machiavelli. Yep. Yeah. Uh, how how Machiavellian Baron Harkonnen is because his he wants to take over Dune from the Atreides or take back Dune from the Atreides. He wants to uh, establish his one nephew, Beast Raban, and he's got the name Beast because he killed his parents and his parents, while they were he, being murdered, uh, said something like, I know you're not going to murder me because only a beast would murder his parents. And he's like, well, call me a beast and go fuck yourself. Wow. Um, so he puts Beast Raban in charge of Dune and says, take it back, squeeze it as hard as you fucking can. And then he goes over to his other nephew, Fade, and is like, yeah, when he fucks up, I'm going to replace him with you. Oh, that's what that was all about. Yeah, was about. He intended to play the role of, you're going to play the dick. Yep. And then I'm going to send my other good nephew mm-hmm. to the become per- the hero. Who is also a sociopath. Fade, yeah, yeah. portrayed by... Singer, songwriter, uh, frontman of the police, Sting. Sting, yeah. None other. Uh, that oh, guy's got a cocaine body. He does. Speaking have a of body. music, I would also like to talk about how music by Toto. Yeah, okay, I noticed another that. Another f- um, sci fi movie scroll- scored by a rock band. Did anyone actually notice? I, I didn't feel Toto in any of that soundtrack. So I'd bless the rains down in Africa. Um, you got you to gotta think too. It's the same thing with uh, Flash Gordon. It's not necessarily. Um, someone singing and stuff like that as much as it's Toto the band writing synth and oh, like this okay. huge of course like almost church choir orchestral so they didn't pull large the- when there's no main singer it's really hard to pinpoint where the uh, the artist comes from it's the from. same thing with the Flash Gordon one right we have the dun 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 Flash <laughs> like all of that yeah. but then He'll when you one of us. watch when you watch it you're hearing just the soft somber guitar work and that's the band of Queen writing the rest of it because there is a soundtrack right. for it all and it's just very psychedelic uh almost airy it's it's sci-fi it's sci-fi space yeah. music and that's the, that's what was fun even with the guy the scene where harkonnen is floating around like giggling and rubbing his nipples and the guy's just playing with like this metal toy and you're like is that music and it's as like far as i can tell someone's was... just cranking on that keyboard <laughs> just making noise <laughs> It sounded like uh, space bagpipes. Right. But worse. Right. Like, it's what you get if you mix space bagpipes and, like, nails on a chalkboard. Right. Yeah. Just industrial and loud clashing. And <laughs> not necessarily heavy metal in any way, but it's just loud. A cacophony of sound and chaos, and which really kind of reflects the Harkonnen, like, lifestyle and virtues and stuff like that. So I got a feeling... Now, here's here's an interesting thing that I got to ask you about. You mentioned kind of... I think it was after the movie or before. I forget exactly when. That Har- It was in our, in our intermission break. That Harkonnen, the Baron, isn't as gross as they portray him in this? Um, Harkonnen has a weird backstory. Uh, do you want me to get into that? Oh, or? Or? Yeah, yeah, okay. So I've read the books, the prequels and the sequels. And 
The backstory of Baron Harkonnen is he's portrayed in Dune as just this morbidly obese gentleman he uses gravity floaters to get around because his body can't handle the his legs can't handle the weight of his body. Um, but he wasn't always like that. He was uh, back in his heyday. He was very much a Chad. He was very ripped, very built, and he was a guy that would just go out like spear hunting things for fun. He would go it on raids. He'd just he'd join in the gladiatorial combats just because he could. Um, and we know from the Bene Gesserit, uh, a thing about the Bene Gesserit in the Dune world is that they preserve bloodlines. Like they will, uh, they will mate with and produce offspring from specific families with desirable traits. Is that because they're aiming to build this prophesized They want to build the Kwisatz Sadarak, if you want to talk about hard to pronounce made up words. Yeah. Uh, which is, uh basically a male Bene Gesserit, somebody who can use the voice, use the spice, and just be a... a Paul Atreides. They want to make Paul They want to make Paul Atreides. Because they want to make it female so they can control it. Uh, they want to make it male, but they want it under their control. Got it. And because Paul went rogue on a desert planet, nobody could find him, blah, 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 blah. Um, so they came, they approached Baron Harkonnen, who is a dick, um, and they sent him one of the Bene Gesserit sisters who was supposed to accept his seed. And because he's a dick, instead of just doing what he was supposed to do, he decided to uh, force himself upon her. And in retribution, because Bene Gesserits are just wild women, they store so many diseases in their bodies that they can just release at will. Uh, she released a bunch of diseases on him, one of which was uh, to, it's a disease that destroys muscle and turns it to fat. So instead of having this Adonis body, he is just this rotund gentleman now. I find that they worked, I don't know if this is how it was, but they worked very hard to make the Harkonnens evil. Like evil. Like yeah. they, they, there are things that make someone evil. Uh, scar is a is a clear example of this. Yeah, they always have a scar of def. It's always a physical a deformation. Body, yeah, a body, uh, a body horror, yeah. a body something that something. says this is the bad right. guy, which is a really, yeah. really. Uh, I don't want to say bad clutch. It's, like, it's it's a it's a crutch. It's, say, it's a crutch, and well, it's a cliche say, now. And let's it, say cartoonish. It is it it's is cartoonish, cartoonish. Yeah, but like yeah, body. But uh, they did that. They immediately introduced him as being gross. Yeah, and then they introduced him as being kind of strange. Which yeah. is also another evil thing, and then they immediately showed him off as uh, murdery. Right uh, in they the gave book, you the trifecta. Yeah, in gave. the book, coins in the jar. Uh, he's also very into children. Of course, he is. Yeah, they they do all of this, and I think they do a good job because it's very clear from the moment you meet this character, you're like, oh, he's the bad guy. Well, you want to feel gross watching him. Oh, and, and I feel like the performance, scene. and he the the actor chews it up. Oh, oh he yeah. chews up the role of Baron Harkonnen. It's once Sorry, again, who's, what's the name of the actor? Can we uh, bring that up? It's okay. We're okay. We're okay. Just a little bit of beer. Uh, Baron's doctor. Um, a lot of yeah. There you go. Kenneth McMillan. Yeah, Kenneth McMillan. Yeah, he does a great job. Yeah. Kenneth McMillan chews it up. Uh, you can tell he's it loving is, the role too. It is. It, it it's very theater. It is like he's having so much fun. Incredibly over the top. It uh, almost reminds me of Max von Sydow, who shows up in this film as well. Uh, we've seen him in Flash Gordon as Ming the Merciless. Yes, and he plays not Duncan Idaho. Uh, uh, 
Kynes. Uh, the Imperial Ecologist Kynes. This is why we have Nathan on the podcast tonight, ladies and gentlemen. He is the encyclopedia <laughs> on of a personal, Dune. Who, on a personal note, inspired me to go into the uh, university course that I did. So Really? Well, yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah. Good. I, d- that's I a... did a lot of ecology stuff. And I, I yeah. thought it was, I read the book, thought it was cool. I'm like, I'm going to do ecology. That's neat. Yeah, that's awesome. That's For really good. Not as culty of a movie. That actor also plays, I think, the, I forget his title, but the head judge in Judge Dredd in the old one. Oh, it is culty, and it is fantastic. Yeah. And the Stallone Judge Dredd? Yeah, yes, he plays one. the head drudge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, they did a great... Honestly, the cast was pretty solid. Yeah. Like, I have no complaints about any character. Uh, the Lord Atreides, Paul's father, mm-hmm. did a great job being regal, um, and careful then, with his words. Yep. And then dying. And then dying. He was great at dying. Fabulous. Uh, Peter DeVries, the guy who played that, was really well done. Who's Peter DeVries? Um, Wormtongue. Oh, oh uh, my God. And he also, oh, my God. Wormtongue. What's played, the, yeah, can we go back one? We'll pick up the gentleman's name. I'm. He was also in Star Trek Voyager. He played a serial killer uh, Beta Zed. And for any of you Trekkies out there, you'll know why that's weird. Brad Dourif. He is... It's almost like they forgot that he's a great actor. Like He did such a good job. I do hate the roles of the computer. Um, they don't explain enough, and I get it. They don't fucking have time for. They it. don't explain shit, they and don't they don't have time. Shit, but they they introduce all these really cool ideas, mm-hmm. but they don't quite deal. With, like they've got these guys that just look like they have, like you said, they look like they have herpes on yeah. their lips, and yeah. I didn't quite yeah. get it. They made a comment in one of the exposition dumps mm-hmm. of these human computers, the Mentats, the Mentats, yeah, and then they talk about their lips briefly, yeah. But then they show these guys, and it doesn't look like they have special lips. It just looks like they herpes. They have herpes. They're drinking this poison that's causing them to. Which is, is that what it function. is? It's it's a it's a stimulant from a certain berry juice, and it's supposed to make their brains go into overdrive. When you okay. squeeze the milk out of a cat, see, mm, I totally... to live forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's unpack that for a quick second. Yeah, yeah, oh my yeah, god! Yeah. My Which, god. by the way, is not in the book. Coin of the jar. No, you got to milk that cat. That's a great scene. I don't care if it's in the. It's, it's not in the book. That is a fantastic, like, creep-tastic scene. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, well, I'd love to explain that scene, but then we'd have to explain what a mentat is. So let's go back to what we were talking about. So Dune itself, a long film, a slow film, yeah. uh, entertaining, and as a as a compliment, you're left wanting more. Yes. You feel like, wow, I definitely would have got a sequel. But yeah. we're, like you'd have to end it cliffhangery, and that's not what films were doing, right? Correct. The idea of the cinematic universe or uh, cliffhangers and stuff like that wasn't a big thing because this was truly a cash in because everybody wanted to jump into Star Wars. Yep, yep. Right? We have this was eighty four. We had Jedi coming out. We had Crawl. We had a bunch of fantasy films like just being thrown into cinemas. Yep. Um. This was after Alien. There's, there's a lot building and where we're going and a lot where uh, stuff just kind of It's more lingers. than that. I, so I've always said about Tolkien mm-hmm. that he is a great world builder, terrible writer. That's been my experience with a lot of authors. I, I love their world, but their characters are wanting. Understand, I feel like the writer, I uh, uh, Herbert, I feel like he probably fits in that same category. He built this crazy complex world that was so intriguing to me mm-hmm. the learning i want to learn more about the um the navigators mm-hmm. they are so interesting to me yeah and 
I because of that I. But I also think that Paul Atreides is is a boring character. Now that I've seen two movies right. based on the same book, and I understand it's a very cliche, um, Mary Mary Joe chosen one, chosen the one Luke Skywalker you know, idea, Luke it's yeah. a very hero's boring, journey. Yep. Yeah, Luke Skywalker kind of went away from that, but his original starting, yeah. like yeah. the destined character, it's just very boring. And I think he writes a very boring character. And generally, I think he probably wrote very boring characters in general. But he created this amazing universe yep. that I want to see more. I don't want the next Dune movie to be about Paul Atreides. I don't. Well, I want to see something else. Well, I got some bad, bad news, news for, you. for you, my guy. I know. Because it's all about Paul. It becomes the Paul show. Now, if we were to talk about the books, it's not the Paul show. So it sounds more like David Lynch tried. He made a big budget yeah. movie. He felt like he sold out. This allowed him to get a big old fat paycheck uh, and go make more movies that he wanted to make because he was more into the artsy fartsy scene. Yeah. He originally wanted to make Dune in black and white. He yeah. was fighting with producers who were like, it is too dark. And no. he's like, no, I want the movie to be darker visually. I'm glad and he lost had, that fight. And yeah, he visually was like, I want the film to be darker, like lighting wise. And they, the producers were arguing, no, it should be brighter. It should be brighter because we've already had Flash Gordon, I want to say. Oh, yeah, for sure. Didn't Flash Gordon come out? Yeah, because they, they, later, they later do Flash Gordon. They do Flash Gordon and then they do Dune because it's the same producer. Yeah, Flash, no, Flash Gordon was 19... Ooh, no, that's the not the film. That's the comic. 1980. 80. Yeah, so they have already done Flash Gordon, and they wanted to do something a little bit more brighter and fun to watch because it's such a dark film. Um, so Dune flopped. Oh, yeah. Dune flopped at the box office. I can understand why, though. Dune, like, flop, flopped. You need to go into Dune with an understanding of the universe. Yep. And if you have that understanding, it's a pretty cool movie. If you don't have that understanding... You at first spend a whole lot of time getting blasted with a bunch of random jargon, and then things just fast forward. You you don't see the transition of Paul from this random child who earns his power to earning the respect, growing of up and becoming a man, growing up becoming a man. His love, right. clearly, there's this deep love that they just right. barely ever talked about. Right. Um, earning the respect of the what the hell is the name? The Fremen. The Fremen, yeah. Earning the respect of the Fremen. And this two-year war that turns him from a boy to a man. Right. They skip all of that in like one scene. It was like two years later. They did the thing. Yeah. Right. They don't give any of... Uh, they, they barely give any of the female actors anything to do. Yeah. At all. They're just either damsels in distress or they're just standing there going like, oh, we hope you're okay, Paul. Like... Let us know if you need anything. Oh, I'm like, just here to help there's you nothing. Man. There's nothing like there's that they do. one female that was awesome in this. Only one. I don't know her name because she was the child. She was uh, Paul's oh the sister. sister. She walks in when and, she walks into the yeah. emperor. She's like, I'm going to destroy you. I know lifetimes of information. Yeah, and I will f use psychic powers to just melt your brain, and it's wild. Yeah, that was a. I loved her for that. Yeah, she was so cool. I clearly she was a young actress struggling with the role. Well, she was a child. She was she's a child. very young child, but yeah. But damn, is that a cool role to have? Um, Dune may was made for forty two million. Okay, it only made twenty seven million no. in the box office. It flopped hard. It deserved more than that. It only made twenty seven because it was too. They were really trying to sell Star Wars. And it wasn't Star Wars. See, the issue was they didn't give a uh, handheld lexicon when they when they showed the movie. Right. And it's the same thing with 
like the toys and how stuff just yeah. didn't come out. Um, now, is there a Kyle McLaughlin action figure? Yeah. Yeah, uh, there is. There is. Uh, they filmed for the majority of it in Mexico because it was cheaper. Cheaper, yeah. Uh, for the desert locations and stuff. Uh, on the first couple weeks of filming, the crew all got sick. So they had to create, they had to build a restaurant that only did Italian food. Uh, so they so ate everyone's ta- breath they, when they talked to each other was just garlic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in Mexico, it rained every day no. for shooting. So very, it was a nightmare. Very undune like. Uh, very undune like, right? Except for that end scene. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. that helped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Stand outside and wait. <laughs> and uh, so some other stuff. Actually, let's get back into the effects. Because okay. you mentioned and thrown around the uh, $42 million to build this movie. Yeah. Uh, and make this movie out. Uh, sets. Beautiful. Oh, my Miniatures. God. Gorgeous. First opening scene, you're, you, the first thing you said was, did they build this set? And yes. I want to say a lot of it was. So there was a, lot a of set it was where it was glass. a ship on like a dock somewhere. Yeah. But it was. On stilts. On stilts. But it was massive. Right. And I was. I'm pretty good at looking at something going. That's VFX, especially something from that generation. Or painted mm-hmm. on the glass. Or painted or, on the glass. Or, yeah. it's, I, that's all in the category of yeah. VFX. It's, yeah. it's some type of visual effects. Yeah. But it looked like they built that set. Yeah. And I just went, that's a massive set. That's Did a they lot. seriously build that? I you, couldn't tell. Yeah. Now, there were Which is some, great. Which is a compliment. It is. That's a great compliment. There were some rooms that uh, looked like the, the general build-out was the same. And I wonder if they just like took out the panels and uh, replaced them with... Oh, for sure. Sure. But even if they did that, that's a lot of work. The hallways. Them running through stuff. Not necessarily one-shot takes, but just the, the way they were framing stuff, right? Over Paul's shoulder, yelling out to the people of yep. the Fremen in yeah. this huge, massive hallway. Clearly... Uh, differently cut cut to da- together yeah so he's not in a big hallway but he's still giving this beautiful speech uh the sets themselves wild ship design a little weird yeah a little weird less bug-like that we're used to were they the, supposed the new... to be bug-like is they, that i think they, that's his original design they call them ornithopters which as far as i know means like bird wing if you're up on your latin okay uh which i am not so you kind of get the idea that it's supposed to it's supposed to flap it's supposed to flutter it's supposed it. to it's not a fixed wing aircraft Got but it. that's what is portrayed in a lot of the stuff because it was cheaper so i want to bring up the next star of the show they had eight worm puppets eight of them eight of them uh the wor- the biggest worm they had all different sizes really the biggest worm they had was 22 feet long I figured mm. they just had one of Eight them. Because there was multiple worms in different shots. Right. And their arm puppets. And a lot of them were regular, like, regular-ass animatronic puppets. Okay, yeah. Uh, they built the sets as miniatures. Yeah. So the worms would look huge. Yeah. And that's how they were filming a lot of those those scenes. So you've got these sets of, like, it almost looks like a children's sandbox with a bunch of plastered rocks and so stuff everywhere. He- and then... No. Obviously, we were taking notes during this, and here's I have one note that's like a stream of conscious thought on that one. Sandworm size problem. Okay. And the reason I say that is I felt like it felt like miniatures. I never yeah. got a real sense of size to these worms because I never it, – it, it struggled – because the worms are so massive. So big, yeah. So big, and because of the way they had I, – I don't even think I felt that way. I think I even felt this way in the new Dune, which is – 
I never quite got a sense of their scope, their size, because right. it's hard to compare a human to the Empire State Building. Right. They're it's rarely so beside right. each other. Right. And even if they are, it's like, okay, you get a background. Right. Like a gray right. background. Like there was right. there was one scene where I heard you make a noise, and I don't know if it was astonishment or just revelation, but when the worm ate the sand crawler. It and came it's out yeah, I loved yeah. that one. Yeah. That was and a great scene. Because it, it it surprised me too. I didn't expect it to be that big. Like it's right. just big like three points that you thought were dunes were actually parts of its jaw well you ask yeah i mean you beg to differ the question of like why are these people afraid of them how are they living on this planet how are they getting around right and we we quickly get these answers yeah after a lot of juxtaposition and just over explanations of yeah you want to talk about juxtaposition trade uh, we can go right trade politics and let's summarize all of game of thrones all of it two paragraphs are you ready let's here's what we're gonna do we're going to do Star Wars, but we're going to talk about trade. And the bad guys are robots and slightly racist Asian people. It's funny. It's a that- bad cliche and it's awful. And it's terrible. Seriously. It's funny that they got angry at the prequel series of Star Wars for starting the series with a scroll about trade agreements right. and politics. And you're like, Haven't you learned from Dune that this doesn't fucking this work? This doesn't work. But also, how would you start a war? Yeah. And this is crushing one house to another. Now you get well, the... What's, the... what's the saying? Like diplomacy is continuation of war by other means? Or right. maybe I have that backwards. So I want to go back to the second exp- like explanation and setup of the world. Uh, there are other planets. Yeah. They just kind of do a very uh, theater style of, hey, here are our main players. We have the Emperor. Yep. We have Planet Harkonnen. We have... Um, the Atreides, who are on Caladan. Giddy Prime, Caladan, and then Dune, Dune. And there's supposed to be Seleucus Secundus, which is where the Emperor's soldiers come from. There's a bunch of uh, stuff. Yeah. Um, there's one that they mentioned that I thought was kind of neat. And I'd like to share some fun facts with you. Uh, there's a planet that they mentioned called Ix. I-X. And that's more of a joke for the reader than for anybody else. Because in, uh, in the book series, Ix is the ninth planet from the sun in a per- in a particular system. Um, and they write that X may have not been the name of the planet, but the number. So IX is Roman numerals for nine. Yay. You know, because it's, it's X. It's the ninth planet from the... I did not... I do not remember that in the movie at all. They mentioned like, oh, technology is fun. It comes from from X. And when the, the scene with the navigator when he's in his little fish tank. Oh, it's, okay. it's one of the opening scenes. They mentioned, oh... It, technology from Ix and something from another planet, something from another planet. I would uh, love to give you all the energy yeah. I've got for that, but I can't say I've got any because that, well, is, that is taking this movie that is already dense with random generated names and words and adding more to it. I can't handle that. What well, do you got? What's another joke? Uh, it's, well, it's, <laughs> it's not a joke. I Okay. Well, I thought it was interesting, but uh, no, I think it's from one of the... Set you up for another? I'm, gonna, I'm about to set you up. So what do you got? Uh, I've got no more jokes. No, no, but keep going. Uh, you guys wanted to talk about those funny lamps that were everywhere. Yeah. Thank you, because that's exactly what I wanted to talk about. Set design, and we we're already talking about the, the creatures and the costumes and stuff. You all both gasped at one point, just because of visually, the way a lot of the camera is shot up and a lot of these beautiful scenes and these wide shots. Yeah. You both went, that's Warhammer as hell. Yeah. That's yep. Warhammer as hell. Holy shit. Look at these gold 40K. statues and this beautiful but haunting 
massive cathedral cathedral of a spaceship it's not just and enough to have a shape it has to be gold and it has to be like gothic filigree right. and and you have the first scene when you have the harkonnens or not the harkonnens the uh navigation guild the, visit the, the, the emperor yeah. to be like yo things aren't all right and we're coming to find out what the fuck is going on and you guys are both like this is warhammer shit well like, the, it's also they have like wires coming out straight out of right, people's heads for the back into their nose it's like they just got shit all over war 40k like it just looks like it came from 40k right and in the uh, the the fact that somebody is seeing a navigator let alone a member of the spacing guild like there i re- i read recently a couple of the first chapters of the dune book and they emphasize no one sees a guildsman ever let alone a navigator so the fact that the emperor is talking to one is a big fucking deal like i know he's the emperor but that makes sense nobody sees a navigator yeah these are legendary like mythology creatures i i do also think they had little hands hands. i didn't they didn't that led me to so many questions once i learned what they were yeah and i because i sort of i got this tiddly little bit about what they were and how they work that they're human by you guys that they're humans that took in so much spice that it changed them physically. They right. mutated physically and mentally. And mentally. And now they sort of use their mental powers to guide things with the spice through warp space, effectively. Right. And I thought that was that's super interesting. It reminds me again of 40K. That being you said... You need your navigators. You need your Geller fields. You need your... You know, astronom- yeah. Astronomicon. And- so it has all these things. Obviously, we recognize that the book came before Warhammer 40K, so therefore it's the other way around. Right. We all right. know that. But the Pikes are taking over, and everything's been a lot worse since they've been running Spice. Yeah. What? Oh, God. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, I, I really loved all that, and I wanted to read more about that. Mm-hmm. But there was a scene that I couldn't quite parse. I understood what was happening because I was told that what was happening is the navigation scene where the navigator was navigating the eraser ship, you called it? Uh, the Highliner. The Highliner. Highliners. Highliner. Um, the eraser head. The eraser head. I was mixing clearly stuff. And he was clearly navigating and doing something with his mind and blowing blazer beams out of its tiny little warped mouth. And orange smoke. So they're predicting where they're headed. That way they don't crash in to something. Well, when you take enough spice, you're supposed to be able to see like a couple seconds into the future. So if you see a couple seconds into the future and like, oh, no, this puts me into the heart of the sun. I'm going to go over here instead. So that's kind of what he was doing. That's why they're navigating. He was looking in the future. Should I go now? Nope. Should I go now? Nope. Should I go now? Nope. Where am I landing? Where am I headed kind of thing. So that's why they jump. And there's a lot of talk, even in the new film, for how much uh, it costs. So when in the new film, uh, they they put a very large emphasis on cost and uh, value of the spice. And how much like, hey, uh, we're having this big meeting. There's flags. It's a parade. It's a whole whole rigmarole. And Oscar Isaac playing Duke Leto is biting his tongue going, this is going to cost us a fortune. All of yeah. this is for nothing, and it's just pomp from circumstance, and we're blowing smoke, and we're we look at us. But the cost to have the spacing guild travel to present yeah. a piece of paper to say you own do now, this costs us billions of space dollars. We're gonna go back into our spaceship and then take off. Is that flex of power and wealth yeah. within the galaxy? We run Arrakis. We will go where we want. We will travel how we want. And if you don't like it, then take 19 years to get from one planet to the next planet. Yeah. Like that's light years, like fuck you kind of thing. And there is so 
there's such a death grip of the economy system that you are you immediately understand at the second half of the film when Paul's like, fuck it, we're going to blow up all of the mining. We're not going to kill anybody. But if we can crush and Although halt, he does. He does. He kills a lot of people. It's a lot of like a lot of genocide being thrown around. If we stop the production of fuel, the yep. empire, the emperor will have to come because then there's no food. Then there's See, nothing getting traveled around. There's no trade. It's wild. That's the Space. problem with the last half of this movie. Yeah. I felt the first half was going okay. Yep. It, I think it was at a it was slow, but it, it was giving me a lot of data to a lot cover. Of build, a lot of build. But then suddenly in the last half, it's just went and he's the and he's the, the the chosen one. Like, wait, what the fuck just happened? And he's made it rain, the end. Yeah, and it's they didn't do enough with that war. They didn't show how smart Paul was being. I didn't understand that he was doing that to force the Emperor to come here. Right. I didn't realize that until you just said it. Right. Yep. And I feel that's worth missing. Now, when he uh, sends his little sister, Alia, to the Emperor and Harkonnen, and she kind of like gloats a little bit like, oh, I don't know, my brother, blah, blah. Um, The thing for that is she's actually kidnapped by one of the Harkonnens. I can't remember. It's been a minute since I read the book. And like she... They don't go into enough detail about why Alia is so important. Like, yeah, she's a reverend mother, but she's a child at the same time. But she's also fucking fierce. Like, they call her Ali of the Knife because she just, she kills people. Well, they kind of showed it off where she used the voice on the Baron, Baron Harkonnen. Yeah, and then they, she stabbed him with her own Gomjabar. pulled out his nipple plugs? I, it may have been his yeah. heart plug. Like, you know, the, do you remember in that one scene where there's yeah. that slave boy and he pulls out his heart plug? Apparently all Harkonnens have a heart plug. Okay. Even the head of the Harkonnen, which doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it doesn't make Why any would sense. you put that in I didn't yourself? get that. I took it as she unplugged it because I think what that was was he's having his blood filtered out because of all the diseases so she unplugged and then poisoned him or maybe she fucked with his gravity belt I don't know it was hard to say no no I think you're right I think you were onto something it was not to interrupt him I apologize no no but I think you're right it was the filter the filter system she pulls out the filter system and then stabs him yeah right immediately like putting his body into toxic shock yeah and then then he he floats out out the window and gets eaten by a worm and like eight other things right um they did not talk about, and this hurts my heart, what a Chris knife is. So the Chris knife scene and the fight between the Fremen, Fremen and Paul was originally in the TV version of the movie. It was cut out. The TV version. Wait, so this is the same movie cut up and designed for TV? Yep. Well, I thought it was like a whole different film, whole different, like different actors, everything. No. Nope. Oh. So there is Sci-Fi Channel did... Uh, their own version of Dune. James McElroy is in it. Professor McElvoy? McElvoy? McElroy. McElvoy. McElvoy? McElvoy. <laughs> Professor X. He's yeah. in Split. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, Lynch's Dune was cut up and aired on TV during the 80s. Wow. So they would add in a few scenes because they'd have a little bit of extra budget. It's the same thing with Halloween. Halloween 1 and 2. So that's why I thought it was a different one because you're right. James McElroy was in that. Completely and that's why I thought it was so they just transpose him into the, the no, 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 you got to think. Okay, so back in the day, right? Back in the day when I shake my fist at the cloud like an old man, <laughs> not everybody had VCRs, sure. So they would play movies on TV, yeah. That's how I first watched Star Wars, right? Dune was one of those films, sure, yep. that was just played on thing. The Mac, the, the James McAvoy, I'm saying it wrong again, aren't I? No, uh, James McAvoy, McAvoy, yeah. 
was a completely like, hey, we're rebooting Dune. We're yeah, going to okay. do Dune 1 and then do 2. So Dune it was two. a refilm. It was a three-film thing, but it has nothing to do with this. But it was refilming. Yes. It okay. was a completely different thing. That makes more sense. Yeah, but That's like, what I thought. The scene where uh, he fights Stilgar? Yes. Uh, it's not Stilgar. It's a guy that shows up for like five minutes in the movie and Paul kills him. Right. So but there's a whole scene. You might remember is... it because this is how the Fanu film ends where they Stilgar is like, hey, the ship goes down. Jessica and Paul are like, fuck, we need help. We need to run. We're going to yep. meet. And then the Fremen kind of jump them. Yep. Then they have the we, we should just kill them right now or trade them to the Harkonnens and maybe we'll be safe. Yep. Kind of moment. Uh, and then Paul says, fuck it. Let's fight. Or doesn't want to fight at all. And this, the Fremen are like, if he, he is who he is or says he is, we need to fight him to challenge him. Yep. Paul re- like doesn't want to fight, doesn't want to fight, doesn't want to fight. Ends up fighting because it's a movie and a book. Uh, Paul kills him. And then they can, they pretty much melt the guy down and give Paul his, his water. water. And yep. that's such a huge, like, this is what we can give to you. You have to carry well, his to them, liquid. Your liquid is your value. Well, is they, your value. I, but that all of that was cut out. And that's the weird thing where it's just kind of like this film all of a sudden just Paul's with the Fremen. And he's their king now. And by he's the way. their king versus he beat up the biggest, toughest Fremen, one, no, and is like, this is not how we should do this. There's a lot more to that scene, too, where I don't think he carries the water. He They say he carries the water, but they give him like these coins, these rings, which represent water. And they actually give the water to a designated water carrier who is... Uh, it's a very sanctimonious, uh, very important position in the tribe, the water carrier. But they also skip over the fact that he killed this man. And in Fremen culture, when you kill somebody, you are now responsible for everything that they were responsible for. So Paul inherited the guy's wife, the guy's kids, and he has to take care of them. Yeah, and he cries. Yeah. And a, a bigger thing. And it's, deal. yes, he's he cries. Legit, he's it's cries. very important that he cries. He gives yeah. water to the dead. Yeah. Oh, and you don't do that. No, you you do that, but only for the people that you love. And they're like, why is he giving water to the dead? He just met this guy. Right. Interesting. Right. Right. There's a lot of cultural tribalism that they completely left out of this, which is which is a beautiful yeah. part in the book. Beautiful part. And in the, the film, it does an OK job. But it's one of the things that got cut out because of time. It's a slow moment, but also it would have been the the first knife fight. So when we get to the end with the climax with him versus yes. Sting, it would have been like, okay, Paul can take him. Yes. And, and the other guy's fighting left-handed almost. Uh, like, uh, shit, what's the movie? Southpaw almost. And um, like he, Princess, you know I mean? Princess Bride, like, oh, I'm not left-handed. No. Right. There's like a Southpaw fight and then he changes and then he fights Faye. And you're supposed to really be like worried because all of a sudden we've had this very slow Fremen fight. Yes. Because they're trying to conserve energy and they're trying to conserve water and they don't want to just go into it. They're very reptilian. Like we have so much energy. This is the conservation of energy. I attack when I attack. Yeah. It's like watching like spiders or lizards fight. It's a very slow but deadly thing. And it's also emphasized by, uh, they don't go into this in the movie, but shields attract worms like none other. Yeah. Um, Because of the echo. The the shield and the knife fight, you're you're slow on the attack and you're quick on the offense when you're shield fighting. Uh, You want, the point of a a shield fight is that you, you want to trick your opponent into leaving himself open so you can go in real slow and get through his shield to give him like that good poke. That's why when we get to the end fight with the Harkonnen, he's just stabbing at nothing. 
right? Oh. He, he, it's it's Harkonnen. It's fast. It's energy. I'm going to kill you. Do do do. And it's not. They're angry. They're it's, violent. It's they're not. A, it's not There's a so chess match. Depth they did not. Get right. In this it's movie. meant. It's meant to be like a chess fight. It is a slow like. Oh. They and also that's, that one scene we lost, which would have built up that second half they also they left added. out they also left out uh las guns or laser guns i want to think they're called las guns the the weirding way guns no or? there's there's like a laser gun that they use but the thing about lasers and shields is in is if you hit a laser with a shield there's an ha, there's a, a chemical reaction or an atomic reaction that happens on both end both the shield and the laser explode atomically like they both turn into atomic bombs so if there's shields on the battlefield, you don't use a laser. And if they're using lasers, you don't use a shield. Interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of lore and world building nonsense so, that kind of just gets swept to the wayside that has a bigger importance in the pacing of the film. And I'm glad that with that... Speaking of juxtaposition. Here's one thing that I just argued with about Boba Fett, um, which is... And a lot of other stuff, which is um, Chekhov's gun. Okay. It's one of my favorite rules. And they talk about the weirding and they talk about this weirding and say that's what um, the Emperor doesn't want to happen. That's why he's making the Atreides fight the Harkonnen is to weaken the Atreides. Right. And I really am happy that as much as I fucking hate the weirding. You don't like the sound gun? No, I don't like the sound gun. The Which, sound by gun, the way, was not in the book, as far all. as I know. It's they, just goofy. It looks weird. Their guns always look weird. It's a microphone sci-fi. with a speaker on the end of his fist. Like, I don't... It, it doesn't make any I don't, sense. It's I a don't like concept, it. But, but it didn't... Yep. They talk about it and say, this is what we don't like about it. And then, at least later on, he goes to use it. So they, they fulfill that Chekhov's gun. Of, right. There's this really cool baller weapon... Oh look! Now you finally get to see the really cool baller weapon. Right. I'm happy that they did that, but I think it is weird. Well, in, in by its the, name. So in I, the book, coin in the jar, the weapon is the Fremen. Like that's that's the whole point. It's of, the numbers. It's it's the numbers, and that they're they're just tough as hell. It's tough as hell. And then I think the thing is, is with weirding, is it was a simplified mass abundance of a weapon that is easy to train and easy to use. Ah. And we ha- what happens when a whole bunch of people stand up against a tyrant? What yeah. happens when we weaponize the people? What happens when we say no? You get a revolution. Right. And that's and you get a revolution. You get a dune. You get a Paul. Yep, yep. Right. You get a cult leader. You get a weird, wacky religion where they're all doing sand. And yep. They're in black still <laughs> suits, drinking piss, living looking, in caves. Looking at each other's deep blue rotoscope eyes. Right. Nope. Right. It, 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 Paul almost takes the stance of a cult leader here. Yeah, he does. He, he immediately no. steps in and is like, I am um, this almost like white savior to yeah. these desert people. No, that's, and then, and that's we're not, not shitting on any of this. That's is just not how by this... accident. No. Uh, in, in the book, they call it the Missionaria Protectiva. Um, and it's something that the Bene Gesserit do is on every populated world, they kind of instill a, uh, they kind of give the local populace a prophecy. Like they give them a little bit of, of information and... It's not, it doesn't mean anything. It's just something that if a Bene Gesserit is stuck on a planet, they know the right words, they know the right text, they know the right things to quote, to uh, to emulate, so that like, oh, hey, I guess maybe from absolute coincidence, I fit this role of the savior, so that they can they can kind of take up, easily take up the mantle of the chosen one, and then just 
get the fuck off the planet. Right. They it manipulate. Sounds a whole lot like Paul is not this destined one, as much as he is someone who gained that power and is utilizing it. He is and yes. he isn't. Because of his wealth and influence and how he was grown up. And not only that, but you guys have told me the next book series and stuff where things travel and it, I had this problem where they're like, he's a savior. He's a good guy. Look, they care more about their people in the sand crawler things than they do about the sand crawler itself. Right. That's so strange. And then he immediately turns around and is like, oh, the princess of the emperor, the daughter of the emperor who has really nothing to do with any of this, she's now my slave. It's like, hold on. Like, you have turned into yeah. he, the very thing you fought against. He right. marries her for political right. gain and no other reason. Right. It sounds right. like he's not a savior. He's just someone who has ability. He right. is, but he's he turns into a very much uh, the ends justify the means kind of guy. Right. He goes on a, uh, they call it a uh, uni- you. A galactic-wide jihad, and he brings all of humanity under heel. Jesus. Now, in yeah, in the in fun. the following book, he has a breaking of conscience, and he goes into the desert and just stays there. So the other thing too is, is we talk about hero's journey. We talk about yes. uh, the themes of the film and the book itself: becoming a man, growing yes. up, losing your parents. Even Paul doesn't really, especially in this film doesn't really sit in on any meetings, doesn't really make any big decisions. Paul is being told pretty much what is going to happen to him for yeah. the majority of the film. And then all of a sudden we get a hard cut training montage and Paul now is king. Yeah. And he is not a good leader. There is very little development. He drinks some Gatorade, uh, the water <laughs> of life, and then all of a sudden is yeah. able to... He's king of the psychics. He's king of the psychics and he can ride the worm. And it, it, visually, that is the, I'm going to go and hunt the biggest bear. Yeah. Or I'm going to kill the wolf or the thing. But like realistically and ri- written wise, it, it's weak. It falls oh, it's apart. Terrible. And it's like, no. okay, well, he never has a moment. And I think the Venu film does a little bit better because he kind of speaks up in his father's uh, meetings when they're like, hey, what do we want to do with the people? What do we want to do with thing? And Paul steps up and says, well, no, we should do this. And everyone kind of looks and goes, young Paul, like that's a very wise thing to say because of his age and yeah. him having to sit in with his father at, at these huge, very important decisions to how we handle and manage the planet and the people and how do we bridge these cultures. This film is just, it's a snap of a finger and Paul's got the Burger King crown on his now, head. No, he's definitely better than that in the book. And I will always pick the book as the uh, the source of canon rather than the film, ad- the film adaptation. But I think you're absolutely right. Right. I think they, they just kind of skip over a lot. It was like, I, hey, I'm here now. And also I'm your king. So guess what? Go ahead. I strongly get a feeling. I, you can absolutely 100% feel it. Um, David Lynch wanted this to be at least two movies. Yeah. And he was forced to midway speed it the fuck along. Speed yep. it up. He, you can tell because it was fine, 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 fine. I mean, it was exposition dump and setting up a lot of stuff. You do right? what you got to do. Though. You do what you got to do. And then immediately as action started, as it stopped being a, here's the world. It's it more expensive. Being, it, it, yeah. It gets more expensive. And <laughs> when it start action started need to have about half the way through. Immediately, it became sped up and everything was just forgotten about. Characters stopped developing. It was just, nope, this is who this character is now. They introduced these characters it's two years later. less right. about characters and more about events. Yeah. It is the events because you don't get any life of Fremen. And that's almost visually a disappointing thing. Because it's we absolutely get... Absolutely disappointing. The Fremen get, are so complex. They're they're a wonderful it's well, this, more is, than that. this is a compliment to the Boba Fett thing that we've been joking about. The oh, Tusken God. Raiders, right? No, no, no. You go, oh God. But like, and we're talking about you know, doing a, 
uncut lizard up the nose, but it's culture. This film focuses so much on culture, and we talked about it even to set design, yeah. where it goes Caladan, woods, woods, warm, blue, it's, it's an ocean fabrics, world. ocean world, yeah, Harkonnen, industrial, metal, toxins, poisons, disease. Everything's rusty. It's very Warhammer. Smoky. The the Emperor. Everything's fucking gold. gold. It's this very Salvador Dali painting of just grand, yeah, beautiful halls, massive rooms. Which makes sense because wasn't he involved <laughs> in vacuum. the original? He was going to be the. Uh, he was going to be in it. I don't know what he was going to be. I yeah. think Orson Welles was originally going to be the Emperor. Got it. Um, but then you get to the Fremen, and they kind of get shit on. Like you get the you get the hey yeah. these are the these are the servants they're gonna clean they're the housekeepers you don't get Paul being like oh like we we see the vaults of water but we don't get hey what do they eat what there's no yeah. moment why do they they keep these water why right. why do they how why are do they, they surviving they do? there's no culture shift there's yeah. no moment of Paul not necessarily being a fish out of water but being like okay. This is like unlocking let that secret of, ways. oh my God, well, let me learn your ways. That was one of the things that they talked about when there was that one scene where Leto and Paul show up and they're wearing their still suits and uh, the ecologist Kynes is there and he's giving Leto the business like, oh, you got to put this on this way, put that on the other way. This is where your water sacks go. This is, you know, this filters the urine and the feces and distills the water in the pouches. And then he gets to Paul and he's like, who did this for you? Like, no, I did it myself. Well, how? You've worn this before, right? It's like, no. And then he quotes a part of the prophecy. He wears a dev- yeah. and he, desert style. He knows he like he's he knows your ways. He knows the ways. Yeah. So I, he is supposed to know some other ways, but he's also supposed to get to know he's get he's supposed to get to know the people because there's a host of Yeah, uh, there's a lot. It's the the problem that with that to. last section is one of the fundamental rules of storytelling is that all stories are about people. Yeah. They are always about people. Yeah. And because this is about action, we, we discussed that last half is about events. It's not about the people. It becomes and a historical what, fiction at that point. That's why it becomes dry. That's why we, I think we all like the first half. I love the movie. It's I would even slow. say I like the second half. Yeah. It's just if it was more about people, then... There's more character development. Yeah. More. It definitely, I like the first well, one, but the problem, the problem with the first one is exposition and information dumping. Yep. And the problem with the second half... <laughs> so keep up, loser. Yeah, and the second half is nobody cares about the characters anymore. Just get through it. We just, we just have to get through this. We just have to finish it. Get to the end. Run. And I and I feel like there's a problem in the first half and a problem in the second half, but they're very different problems. Yeah, because they're different movies at that point. I yeah. mean, there was 58 speaking roles in this film. Really? Yeah. Jesus. 58 people are to have lines. And there's a lot of moving parts. And then we have these moments where there's soft moments where Patrick, Patrick Stewart shows back up. Yeah, they didn't and even they explain hug, that. He's and just, just like, you're alive. Again. Oh, my God. Right? Because yeah. there's this whole bond between b- between Paul, the Duke, and the people, the men in his life that are all acting as surrogate like, father figures. The chosen who men. Who care. The chosen men in his yeah. life who care and are teaching each person. Uh, each person is teaching Paul a different lesson. Gurney Patience, Halleck. Defense. Think always think two steps ahead. Uh, don't sit with your back to the door. Don't sit with your back to the door. Um, Here's how to play a balalaika. It's easier to make friends with honey than vinegar. Absolutely. There's a lot of like the politics of it that we kind of get, but quickly lose as soon as the Harkonnen invade. Like, speaking of the Harkonnen invading and Patrick Stewart, 
Why the fuck did he save the goddamn pug? Well, wouldn't I? Wouldn't you? I was a good boy. He just he just has the pug sitting in one of those like baby carriers yeah. on his chest, and he's going to war with so, an assault laser rifle. I want yeah. you. Okay, oh, well, no, he's that's he, not that's hmm. who who is who plays Patrick Stewart in because that's not Duncan Idaho. Who is Patrick Stewart? Is Gurney Patrick Halleck. Stewart is is Gurney Halleck. He plays the he's he's okay. a bard. So I want you to close your eyes for a second. Closed. Okay, now imagine. Cable running with a pug shooting at Harkonnen soldiers. Wait, Cable? Cable from the X-Men movie. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, Thanos. Thanos (laughs) running in and with a pug in his arm, killing Harkonnen. Uh, I fucking love it. Right? Because that's who he, that's, um, oh my God, the actor. Patrick Stewart? Guy who plays Thanos. Oh, uh, oh my God. That's where I blanked. Fuck. That's where I blanked. That's why I was like, anybody, anybody, anybody? Nothing? No, this is painful. See if you can do it before I do the internet. I do this all the time. Oh my time. God. Chat, hit us up. Uh, Thanos actor. Josh, Josh Brolin. Brolin. Lovely gentleman. Uh, he's in a bunch of movies. Old Boy was fun. Uh, the remake. Ben, ben, ben in Black, in the new one. Was it new? Was it any good? The the remake? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was good. I mean, it's Wait, was he in Men in Black? Mm, yes was he yeah he played young um young k no shit he played young k okay cool did a great job uh so josh brolin running with a pug killing harkonnen yeah that's funny is is a great great visual i wanted to see that i just want to see him like out to get groceries or something with a little dog under his arm it it wasn't it was so weird because this movie is not a comedy it as far as I can tell, there, there are no, no jokes, no told. funny moments, no funny moments, well, th- except for that one moment. There was, yeah. there was a one thing where they're trying to they're trying to impress the majesty of the space fleet and the space travel, and Paul's just got this goofy looking pug sitting on his lap. I'm like, if you want me to take this seriously, don't put a right. goofy but dog. It's trying to show wealth, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's just trying to show wealth. But yeah, well, let's get to the last segment. We got to rate those eyebrows. Oh, oh my god okay, ladies so and gentlemen welcome to a podcast within a podcast as we rate those eyebrows we're doing dune all right um so it's definitely between two people there are some fucking eyebrows no Th- there's no. only one person there. no are. no there is not between thufer howitt and peter devries okay both I, mentats i get that but there is definitely one winner and I, who was the actor who played uh freddie jones also played freddie jones and brad was Durfus. it freddie jones Durf. So yeah. Freddie Jones, those eyebrows. Now Freddie Jones was my first thought for the winner, <laughs> but fucking here, I really like the other actor. He's in so much cool stuff. So. Oh, he is. All in stuff. But we're talking about eyebrows here. And the, well, you got to bring. Bring I literally pictures. thought so. They had the, they showed the first character, the first Mentat, mm-hmm. the good guy Mentat, yep, yep. with eyebrows like wings, and he's freaking out bushes. the entire movie because stuff is going wrong. Yes, and it's like he's clearly. What is things. your direction? You're Sorry, a robot. Did you're we, not a robot. Did your we discuss is. what a Mentat was? A Mentat is a human with the a mind bylaw. like a computer. Yeah, and so he does all of this, and immediately as they showed the next Mentat, which is um, Peter Devries. Peter Devries' character, uh, Peter Devries. I thought he was his son because I didn't understand that he was a Mentat. Yeah. And I was like, well, clearly you have the same eyebrows, and he's smaller eyebrows, yep. younger eyebrows. Yeah. He's clearly. The son. And I went, nope, it's not. So there's since there's the father Mentat, and in my mind, oh, the son Daddy Mentat. Mentat. Sorry, I wanted to put a pin in I this. Like that. But in the book, corn in the jar, um, Paul is also supposed to be a Mentat. 
he, the point of a mentat is you're supposed to train as a mentat before you know what a mentat is from the age of two onwards, and you don't know that you're being trained as a mentat. And in the first half of the book, uh, after the first half of the book, his parents come to him and is like, hey, by the way, you've been trained as a mentat. Do you want to keep going? I'm like, uh, sure, why not? Huh. Interesting. So well, he does have a computer. The brain. Anyway, the, eyebrows. And the actors in the processing there is is kind of off putting when you first see these characters in scenes because they're they're directing, and you kind of get the the visual sense you're out of this world. You're out of place. Oh yeah. You are thinking like a computer. You are visually like they, he's freaking out, and everybody else is kind of like what the fuck. But they're used to it. it yeah. It's like a data. It's like a three PO. It's like a. It's like a. It's like a. Uh, it's not a cyborg. It's neurotic. It, yeah neurotic i would even say like a cylon just kind of processing like everyone's never... having emotion and he's freaking out because the one thing doesn't compute or this isn't going exactly the way or he thought it would go this way there was and... that one scene where they're they're trying to get sabotage devices out of the shield wall and he's just like these devices are too easy to find right and he's losing What's his mind and everyone else What's is going like on? working and being like we found another one good job everyone and he's like this is bullshit like it, I just think they failed to show him as a human computer. Right. He just seemed like a smart consultant. Well, right, that's right. the thing. They're not computer computers. They're not like soulless machines. No, but they think in a logical pattern. Yeah. I felt and like ve- you can show them the like Vulcan. a mathematic equation Vulcan. and like they got it. Right. Yeah. So I think Freddie Jones also had it. Daddy Mentat with the giant ass eyebrows. Damn right. Uh, they were huge butterfly wings on that man's face, and they were gorgeous. They must have weighed those prosthetics. Must have weighed huge. so much. Even his nose, like yeah, because it's just there's a lot well, with this, his hair and everything. There's oh, also wow. one thing you haven't considered is when those eyebrows are so big and so so uh, winged that if they're on set and there's a breeze one day, they might lose an actor. <laughs> Jesus. So. I think we got eyebrows. Adam, what would you rate Dune? Uh, I would probably rate it a... So here's... here's I, I'm i going to frame this. Okay. So for the first few episodes, we're going to frame this. Generally, in my 1 to 10 ratio, Okay. if it's a 5 or lower, I probably don't want to see the movie again. Okay. Or I don't okay. want to see more about it. Above that, I'd be willing to watch it again for, right. with someone else. Right. Okay. Obviously, the higher you go, the better. This was probably a 7. Wow. I will say... With me and Nathan both, because Nathan, I'm gonna ask you next. What would you rate Dune? Oh, this is a this is a tough question. I am a huge Dune fanboy. Uh, definitely above a five. I think a seven or an eight is a pro- probably a solid number. It wasn't great, but being of the Dune franchise, you all you get yourself uh, a five just off the off the top. And uh, I don't know. I enjoyed myself. I had fun. Awesome. That's awesome. So personally, I also would go with the probably. I I would give it an eight. And I feel you're 100% right. I feel um, knowing the material, I found Dune very good, a little long in the tooth, a little slow. I missed a lot of the mark for large character arcs and stories, but I really enjoyed it. I find Dune is one of those films where if you go back and watch it a second time, even a third time, you're going to notice little shit that you missed. Yeah. Background stuff happening, right? That are just completely wonderful. Um, the best way I can describe this is even because of book series and film and stuff like that, The Witcher, the books, great, sure. Netflix, everybody likes Henry Cavill. He's handsome. He's a good dude. Witcher, Witcher season one, season one is fantastic. If you go and watch the Polish movie of The Witcher, which we will do because you haven't seen it. You're right. I haven't. You haven't seen the Polish Witcher? No. Hexer. Hexer man. D-Hexer? D-Hexer man. 
Dehexer Man is a lot like Dune, where you know the material, you know what it looks like when it's got the mil- the billion dollar budget, like yeah. Netflix, but it is, we're going to take everything, we're going to condense it down to a movie, we're going to take this entire book and we're going to put it into a film. And it kind of has those vibes. Dune is fantastic, but it also now feels a little dated, aged, and almost something like you would rent from the library. Not yeah. necessarily terrible, not cheap, but a time. It's a very time movie. Time. I think my f- my like final thought on the movie that I is, is best describes why I like it. It inspires me to want to know more about the Dune universe. That's awesome. I think it's a terrible movie. Like it's not a great movie, but insp- I really want to learn more about this universe. His vision was really brought forth and made my curiosity and hooked my curiosity. So I'm not going to open up anymore too too much. But there was a bunch of RTS games. That are apparently just incredible. Yeah, I've played those. Incredible games. Uh, there is board games that are quite just as fun. There is a lot of lore and a lot of love for Dune. It is very much the smart man Star Wars, which is fine. But uh, I don't know. There's a lot there. A lot of sand. Now, to encourage everybody to read the books, and I think you should always read the books, uh, I will say this. Of the series, Paul may not be the main character, it's Duncan Idaho. Cool. Interesting. A character named Duncan Idaho. Adam, with you want to take us home? I want you all to join us on the Ronin Geek Discord. Talk about this movie with us. Bring up your opinions. Tell us why we're wrong. Tell us more about the square-shaped shields that they have. Yeah, what did you guys like about <laughs> Dune? Uh, clearly, we missed... Because there's so much to talk about. There's we missed so something. Much. I love the squares. And if you can, join us on Twitter. All the links will be in the doobly-doo down below. And that's where we can leave it off. Where can they see you, Rich? I am at Geek Movie House doing all kinds of weird D&D and occult nonsense. Nathan? I have no social media to speak of, so Adam? That's it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us for Dune. so sorry you're worse than intros I, than i am i am awful because i'm in a giant sleeping bag and it's a million degrees uh it doesn't help that you probably have sand all inside of there it's covered in sand it's full of sand <laughs> i hate it it gets everywhere it's everywhere oh fuck oh, i fuck. shall not we're fear we're fear is the mind killer fear is the little death that bling- brings total obliteration i shall face my fear and let it pass over me and through me when my fear has gone past i will turn the inner eye to see its path and fuck